0: Welcome to the Taking the Lead Podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hapner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cunio. So there's been a lot of talk about our logo lately, and everyone at the Leader Dog Campus has been asking what dog each of us represents on our logo. <laughs> now, great. I was straight up told, without a doubt, I, I'm the golden retriever.
1: I I would 100% agree that you are the golden retriever, and that's yeah. a, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I don't know.
0: No. I, does it just mean I have a golden personality? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Let's go with that. That's great.
2: Uh,
1: Timothy, what are your thoughts? Who do you think you are? Who's re- which dog represents you?
2: Of course, I've got to be the lab because you know, glacier. I've oh, got a guide dog. It's a lab. Nope. So, so, <laughs> Well, no.
1: that depends. So, no,
0: because what uh, people were saying is that you are the
1: German Shepherd. Yes, you're the shepherd, you're the star oh. of the show, you're the one everybody wants to hear oh. about. Yeah. So, we're oh. hearing yeah. that uh Christina's the golden, which are very out, you know, affectionate, bubbly, um a little more uh <laughs> how do I say it? <laughs> yeah. attention seeking? <laughs> in a good way. In a sweet yes, way. And then Timothy. And, and, they're high, and they're a little more high maintenance than the lab is. Hey, too, I though. am not high maintenance. Which then I just, I guess I fall into the lab category because I'm the last one standing here. But... Uh, Leslie is loyal like a lab. I am I'm loyal, focused. I also like treats, so <laughs> I get it.
0: <laughs> that's how we get her into the studio. Yes.
2: <laughs> exactly. Well, you know that the... Uh, the German Shepherds in the middle, so guess the angels in the middle. Oh, again oh.
1: with this,
2: uh, Timothy? Uh, again?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's
0: just Timothy, you're just the bad. star, okay? That's why yeah, you're okay. in the middle. The middle is in the,
1: the star of the show. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Although okay. they do right. say that shepherds are sometimes whiny or protective.
2: Only when it snows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's true. You say it's terrible. It's terrible.
2: It is terrible. Well, we terrible. have
1: found this conversation hilarious and one that I don't think any of us really thought about when creating the logo, um, but it has come up several times recently of people stopping us in the hallways and saying, like, so who who represents who? Which dog are you? And we just crack up laughing because that, you know, we yeah. didn't think of that. So
0: Yeah, I never knew that I, multiple people would tell me I'm the golden.
1: They, people are adamant that you're a golden. It is very strong opinions (laughs) on that. So we'll have to ask our listeners. So if you guys have any ideas of who you think represents which dog, uh, let us know, either email us or post on Facebook or something like that, because we're finding this debate very, very interesting. Yes. (laughs)
0: Lots of fun.
1: But today, we are so excited because we are welcoming Kayla and Zach Penzone back to the podcast. I can't believe we convinced them to join us again. Um, And this time, we are having their mom, Janine, join us to add in her perspective as a parent and a soon-to-be professional in the field of blindness.
0: Yeah, we learned about Kayla and Zach in season one. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to the one titled Don't Be a Zach. <laughs> they are siblings that both have leader dogs. And their mom, Janine, is currently in school for orientation and mobility, or also known as white cane training.
2: Well, I'm excited to have all three of you here, uh, Zach and Kayla. Like they've been on the earlier podcast, and we learned about their, uh, the events up to their diagnosis. So Janine, right off the bat. When when did you first notice their limitations on their eyesight? Well,
3: thank you for having me. Um, I guess it's kind of twofold with the kids. Um, You know, Zach, when he was toddler age, he, um, I think he did, you guys talked about this last time a little bit. He kept running into things with his bicycle, his <laughs> tricycle. And I'm not saying, like, head-on things. This is what I kept telling the doctors. I'm like, he just misses, like, the he hits a part of the bumper of the car. Or when he's putting his bike in the garage, it's just part of the garage door. It was never, like, head-on right into it because that's what everybody kept saying. He's like, oh, he's just a toddler experiencing, you know, his boundaries and, and that. And I'm like, but it's just a little bit it, didn't get it he got glasses things got better for him you know teachers at school he never wanted to use lines on the paper he, um you know sloppy handwriting boy things that's what i was told boys so you know i kind of let uh, uh things go i know he you know Abbott and boy scouts you know, he st- my my dad was um, the scout master, so he would go on trips long before he was even allowed to be in scouting. And, um, you know, sometimes he'd tell me about how he has to have the biggest flashlight there, or, um, you know, he never wanted to walk by himself at night. Never really thought much about it, but all these little things were important that we kind of chalked up as childhood or the personality of the child. With Kayla, on the other hand, we all know she walked into the parking
4: area. <laughs> <heater. laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that yes.
3: was like, that was my, actually, that was the point where I said in life, there is something wrong um, and somebody has to help me because um, Kayla was a very clingy. Um, she stopped doing things at night unless I was there. Mm. She didn't want to go even, you know, even if we have family members' backyards to walk out into the backyard or if she had to go in and use the bathroom just to walk that little bit, she never, ever wanted to do. It was always like somebody has to come with me. And at the time we were, I, we were going through a divorce and a lot of people, professionals kept telling me it was because of this. Um, She just wanted to be close or we're in our preteen or teenage years and that's what you're going through. This didn't just one day go to the doctor and say this is what they have. This has been years of bringing small things to the doctor and them having some other rational explanation. So then I'd be like, okay, well then maybe I need to Step back and let them be and discover who they are. Yeah. Um, but really, like the fights that we would have in the house over, and, and this is any parent can relate to this. Mom, there's no ketchup in the refrigerator. Yes, it is. It's on the <laughs> right there. No, Mom, there's no ketchup. Oh my God. You have gosh, to yeah. get, you know, How could you not see that in there? Like those were things like in the cupboard. They couldn't find things. They'd be standing there, like to me, I'm thinking they're looking at it when in reality, I didn't know. He couldn't
1: see it. Well, I am it, laughing it, it, at that because as a parent, I'm thinking of my two small children doing all those exact same things. Like, yeah. you know, running into things with their shoulders or not being able to find things. Uh, the one that really stuck out to me, uh, that uh, you said not wanting to write on the lines in school. I think that's really interesting. But, yeah, you were repeatedly told it's because, you know, it's boy things. It's just their kids or... The clinginess, that's so interesting. And so now looking back, you're probably like, oh, well, yeah, this does make a little bit more sense. But of course, how would you know? That's crazy to me. So did you find, like, once you finally got in there and there was a diagnosis, like a little bit of relief?
3: I was going to say that. I didn't want anybody to think, you know, I'm crazy. But it was just like, I could take a breath and be like, oh, thank goodness there is something wrong. And then all of a sudden after you say that, it's like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong. And, and as a parent, I kind of went through this whole thing that I can't believe I didn't do something sooner or um, I've let them down because I didn't get this diagnosis early yeah. enough to, to get them the help that they needed. She, I kind of went through this parent mother process of um, that the children didn't even experience. It was me like, oh my goodness look at all these things I let go and I could have made a difference earlier in their life. Really, that doesn't make a difference now.
0: Yeah, Janine. Um, So I haven't talked about this personally on the podcast before, but when I was 19, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune, and I was losing my mobility. And so my mom, I'm sure, can really relate to what you were going through because my mom felt helpless almost as well. Like what I can't do anything to help my child we don't know what's happening why I can't move my arms why I can barely walk and so um, I remember I mean I'm fine now I've gotten treatment and all that but um, I remember her going through exactly what you're saying Um, and so I think a lot of parents can relate in that way when something's happening to their children that they can't control and I want to know like how did you when you found out how did you explain it to Kayla and Zach and then Kayla and Zach um when your mom's done explaining that how did you guys react to that?
3: I don't think I really did the initial explaining we were in the doctor's office that um we got sent to a um a retina specialist and the doctor handed me this paper, and he was so distressed because he was taking, I'll never forget it, his hands running it through his hair, looking at me, and, and he's like, I have to tell you that your children have retinitis pigmentosis. And I heard nothing except for this leads to blindness. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, my gosh, they're going blind. Like, they're they're going to be blind, completely blind. Mm-hmm. And he had given us a handout, and he did a brief little explanation about it. The kids were in the room. They, they could, I was kind of in shock and not really knowing, I think we just read through the information he gave us and, and we talked about it at home a lot. Uh, the kids could weigh in and, and see what they remember about that day, but.
1: Yeah, Kayla?
4: Personally, I feel like, I I really just remember hearing the words right, mitosa, and RP as the abbreviation. Um, at the time I was 14, so I didn't really know what all of the words meant um, from that perspective. The doctor was also like, on the older side and we were pediatric at the, at the time. So he didn't really have a great way to explain it to a pediatric patient. Um, So he didn't really know how to explain it to a child. Um, So more or less, it was me just learning. Like I took it upon myself to look it up and read some of it and be proactive um, and learn more about what it meant for me, what it meant for Zach, how it could differ and what it meant for our family. Um, So I'm sure they'll talk about it at some point, but we all went through a grieving process at some point um, and learning and experiencing. I know personally for my grieving process, um, went into somewhat of a depressive episode just as learning and experiencing it and understanding all of that. But then again, it was a day that I don't think any of us will forget because one, it gave us peace of mind knowing, hey, I'm not just a clumsy child. I don't just walk into things. There's a reason behind it. And two, your whole world just turned upside down from what you knew was a normal life is now not normal. So to both sides of the coin that mom talks about um, is kind of how, how I understood it that day.
1: Yeah. Zach, any specific memories from that day?
2: Yeah, I was, you know, 16 with my learner's permit, you know, learning how to drive and almost 17 at that time. And it was a little bit after Kayla. So I do remember mom trying to explain it to me, like kind of, you know, did I, you know, what this was in, like, a big thing was night vision. I remember specifically, like, we shut all the lights and stuff off in my room, and my mom's like, can you see anything? And I was like, oh, yeah, I could see the shape or anything like that. I, you know, I could just see, like, an outline. I knew something was there, and, you know, come to know, and I'd meet with the doctor with my twin, and we got, we had the test on the same day, and they said, yeah, you have the same thing, you know, you know, but your twin doesn't, and I was 16, 17, you know, almost seventeen. I thought, this guy's a quack and I like I and I, and I went on with my life. And, like and I that's probably where the don't be exact started, but I was just like he doesn't know what he's talking about. I go hiking, camping, and I do just fine in this world. So see ya. Have a great day. And I left.
1: Yeah, and it's so interesting, you know, we hear from so many clients that experience of like uh, Janine, you just said that my kids are going to go blind or you're losing vision, you're going to go blind. And then everything else just is a blur. Like n- nothing else matters. You don't hear anything else. So we are constantly, when we get an opportunity to educate um professionals in the eye field uh, to say, you know, make sure that your patients have somebody with them who can kind of take in some of this information. Or once you, you know, say that diagnosis, reschedule another appointment, a follow-up appointment a week later to actually dive into what any of that means. Because once that word blind is thrown out there, everything else stops. There's shock value. You can't understand anything that's saying because all you've heard is that blind. And that means you're going to lose vision. And how are you going to go on with life? What are you going to do? So really trying to educate everybody on one, how to um, tell that information, but also then provide some resources, like, a, you know, not just a pamphlet, but like, here's some options. Here's some cane training. Here's something uh, which we know all too often doesn't get passed along.
2: So Kayla and Zach, you were both diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosis. So how did that impact your family relationship?
4: So for me personally, I don't think I told many people at first because I, for one, didn't really understand what it meant. So I really couldn't explain it to someone else. Um, But I I think it just took a while for us to understand as a family. And at that point, you're in high school. Um, A lot of people in high school, I feel like they probably already knew because I was always clumsy no matter where I was or what I was doing. Um, And again, it's high school. People don't really care. Like they're just kind of living their own lives, doing whatever fits them. Um, so people were just kind of like, okay with it. It wasn't really like a huge life changer for me at that age. But I think once I hit like the driving age of 16 and kind of going through that part of high school is when it started to take a bigger impact as all my friends were starting to drive and I couldn't and, uh, and that kind of thing. But relationships from the family perspective, um, amounts to her quote. She always says, you can see the pencil across the room, but you trip on the elephant getting there. And if that does not speak for me, I don't know what does because I trip over everything. So for family, it took a lot of adjusting and not leaving things in certain places and making sure everyone's picking up their things. Don't leave the dishwasher door open like someone's gonna trip over that. So it really took us a lot of being uh, mindful and not leaving things out and just um, really just adapting in that way. Um, but for friendships and other stuff like that, none of it really developed until we were a little bit older um, and driving and, and all of that kind of stuff. So personally, everything was a little bit different because we were still at that naive age of, of 14.
1: I'm curious, any perspective, uh, Zach from your, your twin sister and that like out of the three of you, she wasn't diagnosed with that. Has she shared any thoughts or feelings or did that impact the relationship between the two of you at all?
2: So I definitely think, you know, at first before we met with geneticists and really understood, you know, we just had a basic high school biology class. And um, because she was like, well, we're twins. Why doesn't that happen? Mm -hmm. But Kale and I always had, you know, other ailments or, you know, our food eating stuff that were people always thought Kale and I were the twins growing up. So it wasn't so much of a shock to my twin. Um, And yeah, I, I don't think it really impacted our relation shipped a whole lot uh, being visually impaired, but it did impact Kayla and I a lot. It it brought us a lot closer. And I think just like my family as a whole, like we did tell most of our family very early on. And our family as a whole really tried and be open-minded and understood. And, um, my pop, we my mom's dad, my grandfather, he like, and I didn't know this until years later until a scouting friend told me, and mom told me this not too long ago, but when we were first diagnosed, he went and put like, a. She could fill it in probably a little bit better, but basically walked around night with like blinders on to see what it was like. He would walk around our block because he wanted to make sure I was okay and that he knew what we were going when we'd go camping. Because I didn't change my life at all at the beginning. I just kept chucking along. And so it really did bring my family closer together. We all bonded trying to understand and go through it together.
1: That's amazing. That's a really cool story. Can I just interject
3: one thing about Jenna? Yeah, please, Janine. Um, this is when she found out. I just have to say this sticks with me forever, because she said to me, "Oh, great! I can't wait till the two of you are blind. Then I get to dress you alike. Like I'm <laughs> <up again." laughs> yeah.
4: not gonna
3: tell you what you're wearing, uh... but the two of you are gonna be dressed alike." And, and so it kind of made fun of the light of the situation, but that is like a moment. That sticks out from Jenna's perspective.
1: She's like, yes, She played the perfect it. sister role. That's yeah. what sisters do. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that is so funny. And I love that story about your pop. Um, that's, that's really cool. And you can tell the love there and trying to understand so that making sure the experience was still going to be good for you. I think that's really special.
0: Yeah. And so, Janine, you are going to school right now for orientation and mobility. I mean, I just have to ask, what made you want to go back to school for that?
3: Oh, so really, I think what happened was the pandemic, number one. It, it is something that made me think a little differently. But really what the starting point was, Kayla got invited to go out to dinner in the dark, the one right before the pandemic. And it was the first time in my life that I actually got to experience so much of her world or their world. I shouldn't just say their world. Um, yes, I'm here as a parent, you volunteer, you get involved in things like this, but I was right there. I got to, you know, tour of leader dog. I got to speak with everybody. I got to be at this dinner and overwhelming to do it in the dark. And, And the more and more I got thinking the kids are getting older. All of a sudden, I don't feel there's enough programs or enough help out there, tons of help for younger. But what happens to these kids 18, 19, early 20s, or they kind of seem to be in limbo. And everybody's helped my kids so much. My thought was, this is what I want to do. I want to find a school. I want to go back. I want to learn how to do this. I want to give back. And I still want to be able to help my children any way I can. Um, And, and, you know, thought was, I don't know where they're going to end up in, in the world, but with this kind of job, it's kind of flexible, I can, you know, go somewhere. If they're all gonna live on, you know, the West Coast or wherever, I can still be there because I still struggle some days with trying to figure out how their whole life is gonna play out, not being able to drive or or things like that. So this was my thought process. And, and like I said, Dinner in the Dark really did and meeting everyone in that whole experience. And once COVID came along, I was able to really kind of just focus and figure out this is it. I am um, going to go and give back.
2: So, Kaylin, Zach, how did you feel when you found out your mother wanted to go to school to learn orientation and mobility?
4: Um, I think we were both really supportive of her. Um, I was actually able to be home when she was making the decision. So, it was we had a lot of conversations, a lot of different talks. And it was really great um, for the resources that I have from Leader Dog and other summer camps and other resources I've had throughout my teenage years, I was able to put in contact with a few different people to kind of talk through the programs, talk through the idea. Um, I believe she specifically talked to Leslie at one point to talk through the program. So we were just really excited and, um, for her and supportive
2: of it, um, especially in the journey and in in doing the work now. And for me, I, I was very supportive. Um, Mom and I actually had a lot of conversations about her going back. No, at first, like, it wasn't anything certain. She was just fiddle with the idea. Um, but we had a lot of conversations. I'm, I'm going to age her a little bit. She's probably going to be grumpy. She did a, you know, <laughs> it, the conversations were, could she do this? You know, could she do college in the 21st century? Because she, she graduated in 95, so it's a 26-year hiatus from education and being in the workforce and having three kids and living a life. And, you know, I told her, absolutely. Like, you know, you are adapted so much in your life from – you know, becoming a single mom, three kids with ailments like these are like going to school, learning how to use Microsoft and PowerPoint is trivial compared to that. So we had a lot of conversations like that, but I was very happy and excited for her. And, you know, there's a lot you can do with OM just besides, you know, leader dog and something that she really wants to do is VRT stuff. And I'm not really sure all what it entails, but I'm just so thrilled every day to hear her excited about this new passion in her life and wanting to start this new career.
1: That's awesome. So Janine, Zachary just mentioned a VRT, and it's not something that we have mentioned or talked about much on the podcast yet. Do you mind explaining that a little bit?
3: No, then. um, So VRT is Vision Rehab Therapy. And that is um, basically, uh, most places it's itinerant, going out to the homes and showing people how they can live their daily life easier, basically, whether by organization or Um, tasks, reading medications, just little things um, by labeling or organizing how they can become more efficient in their home as their vision is declining. Yeah. Or if they've completely lost all of it. So I've just decided to add the VRT portion <laughs> onto the program. Once I you get in there, it's all so ahead.
1: exciting. I get it. All those daily living skills. And those are huge. They're so impactful on people's lives. I think that's awesome. Um, so I'm curious now, uh, Janine, that you've been in your program for a while now, and um, are you correcting any cane techniques at home or anything like that? <laughs> no, I did. so
3: I actually won't have my cane techniques until, July, no, June I okay. no. okay. So I haven't, it's all been book work, so I haven't gotten, I will have eight weeks of just all cane coming in June. So so watch I out, Zach and it. Kayla. Laugh. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm, I'm glad I'm not them. I am so glad I'm not them. <laughs> But to piggyback, the bookwork is very helpful. Like, because it's stuff we missed in the early years, of you know, you know, learning different skill sets. Because she'll do something, she'll Facetime me because I'm in Harrisburg and she's back home. Um, she's like, you know, check this out with the. And you can tell if someone's far sighted, nearsighted. But little tips and tricks, those books, the fundamentals that we didn't get. So it's really cool to get that information now too when she learns it. Absolutely.
1: And part of going to uh, school to get your master's in orientation mobility is actually being under a blindfold and learning all of these cane skills. So I'm sure, Janine, you are going to get such a perspective um, and even more empathy than you already have of actually having to put on the blindfold yourself and learn all these cane skills and crossing streets and doing all these things that your kids do all the time.
3: Yes, I am. I thought, you know, dinner in the dark was a pretty eye opener, just doing those few things. And then um, a VRT class I had taken, we actually, at the end of the class, had to go to a restaurant, blindfold it, order, pay, and all of that. So just to have that knowledge of, wow, these things are doable, but difficult. So it kind of gave me hope to see like, yes, there are so much resources out there that you can help a person with blindness. They just need to um, ask for the help or find somewhere that they can get the help because you can leave a very independent life if you have all these right skills.
0: So it's exciting. Yes, that is amazing. I'm curious, how long do you go to school for this, for a master's degree and where are you at?
3: Okay, so I'm at Salis University, which is Elkins Park, Pennsylvania. It's a little bit outside of the city of Philadelphia. And um, the program is three, two and a half to three years. It's depending on um, how you do your internship, if you can do it during classes or not. So that, that would be the extra semester. It is 500 hours of. Um, field service. So most people take that as another semester instead of taking classes and doing the field service. So
1: Awesome. Well, I am so glad that you are enjoying it and even going to be adding on. I think that's incredible. And I know (laughs) already that you will be a huge contributor to the field um, of orientation, mobility, and just blindness and low vision in general. You're going to come and bring so much experience. And I can imagine other parents' Having somebody to relate to is going to be incredibly helpful. So, I'm curious now. uh, You know, you've kind of you went through the original diagnosis, and you you know you're seeing your kids still out there doing things, being successful, being completely independent. What are some words of advice you would tell another parent, kind of just starting out or just receiving that diagnosis?
3: I think the biggest one is it's okay to feel what you're feeling. You don't have to have a a feeling. There's not a specific, oh, you should be grieving, um, you you should be worried. It's okay to be in that moment of of what you have. Um and go with it. And that, that feeling may change, you know, two days from now. And it's it's okay. You just need to know that there are people out there who can help. Um and keep searching for answers. If somebody is not helpful, um We had to struggle a lot to find resources. It wasn't handed to us and say, here, here you go. We had to do research and keep moving forward. And and, um, I think that's the best advice. It's okay because a situation could change the day. And that feeling is something you guys have to work together at. You know, my fear and the kids' fear are most likely different. Most of the time, their fears are different than my fears. But I could say that to them. And and of course, my kids are older. So that also makes a difference. But they could say to me, Mom, but why are you afraid of, of you know, us crossing the street? We have the dog now. They just take us right across. It doesn't matter how busy it is. And here's me like, you're going to cross a three lane highway, you know, from parent perspective. So I, I think that's it. I can't give much advice for younger kids um, and, and talking with them. But just listen to your kids what they need. They're mo- they're really gonna tell you the best for for them, not what you think is the best. Let your kid tell you and your child, and and then help them that way. Whatever direction they're trying to tell you to go in, it's not your direction because it's really their journey, and you're just there to help along that journey.
1: I love that because as we've heard from Kayla and Zach, their journeys have been different. They started out different. They're continuing to be different. Um, they're unique individuals and have really taken this differently from, from the get-go. So I think that's incredible. Um, so I want to thank everybody, all of you for joining us. Um, also, I have to ask really quick, Zach, did you like the title of the last <laughs> podcast? That was don't be a Zach. Yeah.
2: Cause you gave me really hope because Timothy and I had this deal. We were going to get some royalties. I was really <laughs> expected yeah. it to go through. Yeah. So I
0: thought it was funny. We, yeah, <laughs> we had to. We were like, what do we title this? And we we're like, oh, it has to be Don't, Don't Be That.
2: <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great.
1: Well, I think that you can clearly, clearly see the support that you all have for one another and the love. And we are so happy that the whole Penn Zone family is part of the Leader Dog family. And thank you for joining us today. And thank you so much to our listeners for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Timothy Cunio and Christina Hepner. We hope you enjoyed learning about the Penzone family. And please do join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness.
0: Yes, and if you'd like to learn more about applying to LeaderDog, you can head to LeaderDog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, email us about what dog you think we are on our logo at (laughs) takingthelead at LeaderDog.org. And we'll also answer any questions you have as well. And if you also like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever Podcast Street.